What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty Podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Marles, and with me today, my co-host, Trey Cryan. What's up, man? Oh, not too much. It was a crazy action. It was a crazy uh, slate on Sunday. Uh, you know, we're recording on Monday, so we haven't seen the uh, Monday night games yet, but I think we're going to get some more fireworks tonight. So, uh, yeah, the NFL is back in full swing, and uh, the games this weekend did not disappoint, man. No, they were they were some good ones. You actually watched football this weekend then, did you? Watch. Yeah, <laughs> actually, I, yeah, the running joke last year was you couldn't uh, force me to watch the games, but I did... Uh, sit on ass yesterday and catch most of the slate and uh yeah it was it was it was a good slate for sure it felt good i made it through the first slate of games and half of the second slate of games and then i uh i actually fell asleep when the raiders were up 20 to 0 on the uh, cardinals and i woke up saw the cardinals won and i was like all right all right i guess i have some tape to watch later so yeah that the ending of that game was absolutely wild and uh yeah, shout out to uh, Hunter Rimpro, who looked like the most concussed man in the desert, the uh, the last sequence of plays there. But uh, you, you hate to see that happen to him. But, uh, you know, awesome, awesome story for uh, Arizona coming back to win that. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, let's uh, let's get right in, man. Um, I have a section we're going to do uh, headlines. So, you know, to start things off, I, I know we're not supposed to talk about this out loud, but I'm a member of two and on now. Uh, I, I'm. A part of the party. Absolutely, man. Yeah. I, how could you not be, though? Like, the dude threw up six touchdowns, man. But we're not going to talk about Tua, Waddle, and Reek in the main content, but this is very newsworthy. So, like, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are number one and number three wide receivers overall in PPR scoring after two weeks. And like I said, Tua just launched six touchdowns. So I just kind of wanted to do a price check on all these guys, man. Where do you have them all ranked, Trey? Yeah, so I was pretty high on uh, Waddle uh, after that rookie year where he set the um, you know the rookie reception uh, record. So uh, he is currently sitting as my wide receiver eight for Dynasty, and uh, he's clearly showing that his upside is is even higher than that. So uh, love to see it out of Waddle and Tyreek Hill. I have a little bit lower just because of the age the difference. Age, I yeah. have him down as my wide receiver thirteen, but I think you could argue him over guys like. Diggs and Devonte adams based on what we just saw so you know willing to move those guys up if we keep seeing more fireworks like we did on sunday oh yeah i don't have a whole lot of shares of either of these guys and i was actually afraid to even check my fantasy scores yesterday because I, these guys won games man these oh yeah they put up like what like 40 points each <laughs> yeah 40 ppr points each it was it was nuts yeah so if you had them in your lineup man you you had yourself a good day uh, Nick, the genius in one of our leagues, shout out to him. He traded Waddle immediately, uh, cashed out for a 2023 20, first round pick and a second and a 24, uh, third round pick. I think that's, uh, about the right price there. Yeah. I mean, it seems like these 23 firsts are just gold right now. So it, it's kind of hard to pry those away from somebody. So props to him for figuring out, you know, an aggressive way to do it. Um, I mean, shoot, the Waddle is going to be playing for a long time. And, you know, that's, I think I'm kind of leaning the Waddle side there, but it's close. I don't know. Do you, do you really trade the ascending and like you said, number eight wide receiver in your ranks yeah. away for, uh, 
I know it's not necessarily a dart throw in the 2023 uh, first round, but Waddle is the truth, man. Like there's oh, no yeah. there's no. no throwing darts involved in this guy anymore. Yeah, I I'm with you. I, I'll take the Waddle side of that trade. All right. Well, I got a couple more questions in this headlines, and Kyle Pitts is definitely making making some headlines here. Two games, two catches, 19 yards in each game. So yeah. clearly not the greatest start for our for our guy Kyle the God Pitts. But is this is this news newsworthy? Are you getting a little nervous? I mean, I had Andrews' tight end one over Pitts in my preseason ranks, and I feel pretty good about that now. But uh, I think I was the the only guy on that island. I think you guys all had him as uh, Pitts' wide re- or tight end one. Are you still sticking to that? Yeah, I'm still sticking to that. Uh, it definitely concerning what we've seen through the first two weeks. I think part of it definitely falls at the feet of uh, Marcus Mariota, the quarterback. Uh, you know, we none of us really expected him to come in and uh, you know make a huge difference with his arm. I think mm-hmm. we you know probably. You know, this is probably about what you expected, right? Like he's going to get some yards on the ground. He's going to throw some picks. Like he's maybe going to support one viable pass catcher a week. Probably not two. Uh, so for the first two weeks, it seems more like London is the guy than Pitts in this offense. And uh, yeah, there was a, a quote from uh, Arthur Smith, the coach, after the game, where he was saying, <laughs> I saw that. "Well, yeah, we don't we, we don't really care about fantasy football. We're not playing fantasy out there. We're trying to win games." And I, I love all the people responding to him. It was like. Hey, if you want to win, maybe you should try throwing it to Kyle Pitts a little bit more, buddy. Yeah, why don't you give it to, I don't know, this generational talent you guys have at tight end instead of like throwing the ball at Cordero Patterson's helmet and hoping for the best? Crazy, crazy. But, yeah, I, I would say this is probably maybe the tiniest of buy windows on Kyle Pitts. And if you're going to get burned on this, you know, this is the kind of guy that it's worth getting burned on. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean... His price is still going to be very high, no doubt. Right. But, I mean, you know, as I was kind of nodding to me having Andrews at one, like, Pitts is still my 1B. So if there is that window cracked open, it's time to just send out your feelers at the very least. What are you offering to get them? Yeah, I put something out there like a first and a package, and it was turned down immediately. I was kind of uh, <laughs> condescendingly informed that uh, in tight end premium, he's up to three firsts uh, these days. Ah, so, okay. I, yeah, I did not counter with a package of three firsts, but. Uh, would you do it for I mean, two? Yeah, I think I would try to weasel out of it, maybe do a pick <laughs> and a player, right? But uh, yeah, I think that's probably a fair price for Pitts. All right. Well, I, I, I'm with you. Two, two first sounds like the right price, but it, it's never an easy thing to do to trade two 2023 firsts away for one player. Yeah, especially after these first two weeks, unfortunately. Yeah, but speaking of the god, holy fucking Amon Ra, Saint Batman, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he is pretty good. Number one wide receiver through two weeks, and it was it was all him. Uh, where is he now in your wide receiver rankings and how much has he moved up in the past two games? Yeah, he's, he's moved up quite a bit, like anywhere from about like eight to 10 spots in my ranks. Um, I've got him in between like that wide receiver 15 and 20 right Mm now. Uh, he's right there next to these rookies like Drake London and Garrett Wilson, who also popped this weekend. Uh, I mean, he is just on 
an absolute heater going back to the second half last year through the first two games of this year. So until he proves otherwise, I think he's just going to keep climbing up the ranks. You know, this it's one of those things when you get like a guy who's a fourth round rookie pick, like we're all going to be kind of slow to believe it until we Mm -hmm. see it. And I don't really know what else he has to prove at this point. Yeah. Last year, I wasn't really a believer and I traded him away when he was at what I thought the uh, the height of his fantasy performance. I, I just right. wasn't a believer. And I don't know how you can't be now. I mean, keep trade cut has him at wide receiver 14. Tarek was talking to us earlier today about grappling with do I put him ahead of DJ Moore? And I mean, I think the answer has to be yes. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I'm I'm quite there yet, but I think the one of the encouraging things that came out of this game, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but in week one, we still saw he had that low A dot usage, mm-hmm. right? Whereas in week two, they started pushing it to him downfield a little bit more. Am yeah. I, am I right there? Yeah. yeah, you are. You are. Okay. And he's just, he's he ran it a couple times too. I mean, the dude can ball. And like, it's somebody that can be utilized in that many different ways is a weapon and I, I'm done. Like, I had him at wide receiver 30-something, 30 31 maybe at the start of the preseason. And, I, God, dude, I, I was wrong, man. Hey, well, at least you admit it. And, uh, yeah, he's he's proven a lot of people wrong right now. So very cool seeing the usage all over the field. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I, – I know Tarek was saying this in the group – uh, thread earlier, but I don't think that JMO coming back is necessarily like, uh, you know, curtains for Amon Ross St. Brown. I think like they play different roles in that offense and yeah, we can count on this going forward. I think. Yeah. I'm done with the crutch ass arguments, man. Like he, he has proven that when everybody's healthy on that offense, he is still the man. So yeah, throw another guy in there and I, I'm still going to bet on Amon Ross. Yeah. No, love it. But yeah, so let's go ahead and move on to our main content today. Uh, We're going to discuss six of our biggest takeaways from week two. uh, And we're going to just translate that to Dynasty. And we're going to do our best to help give you the edge over your league mates by offering you the most actionable advice there is possible to listen to on the internet. Trey, I'm going to (laughs) kick it off with you. No pressure. Uh, let's give our listeners the best advice there is. What, yeah, what is your takeaway? Yeah. All right, all right. Well, I think we have to talk about uh, what happened in uh, in San Francisco with Trey Lance. Uh, <laughs> run up the middle, snapped his ankle in half, out for the year now. Jimmy G's coming back out there. Uh, so we're getting another year of Jimmy G. We're getting another year with uh, Trey Lance on the end of our benches. So it really sucks. And, uh, you know, think about the dynasty impact here. Uh, I had Trey Lance as my QB eight uh, mm-hmm. going into the season. I dropped him down five spots down into like the same range as Tua and ahead of Mac Jones. But I, I, I'm not going to necessarily try to like buy or transact like Trey Lance right now, because I kind of want to see where the market settles on him, and and maybe I'll adjust accordingly. You know, in very broad strokes, I think he's probably a good acquisition if you're a rebuilding team and, um, I would just avoid paying that top 10 quarterback price, which is what he was at before the injury, right? So great news that, um, you know, San Fran kept Jimmy G around. I don't really care about him for my Superflex roster mm-hmm. as anything more than just a viable depth option. He is in that same range as a guy like Daniel Jones for me now. You know, I'm not really betting on him. 
for the future. Uh, but what I think the the impact is here and the big takeaway for me is I think that Jimmy G is great news for all of the pass catchers in San Francisco. And I think this is going to bail out guys like Debo and Ayuk and even Kittle for the rest of their season performance, where I was starting to get a little bit nervous with Trey Lance, uh, yeah. you know, looking like he's going to be the starter for the year. So let, let's talk about Debo first, because his usage is really concerning to me through the first two weeks. He's only averaged six and a half targets a game and six rushing attempts on the ground. I think with Jimmy G's coming in, uh, coming in as starting, I think that rushing is probably going to stabilize at about that, you know, five, six carries a game, but the target should increase a little bit. And I think maybe this is a buy low opportunity because he has dipped down to wide receiver nine on keep trade cut. So uh, wondering where you're at on Debo. I'm, I think I'm pretty high on him uh, compared to, you know, some of the you or, or Tarek. I would I would take Debo over a guy like uh, Michael Pittman right now. Ooh, over Michael Pittman. I, it's definitely close. So like what I see from Debo on tape is just insane. Some of the things that he did even last week, like he, he got the ball and basically was getting tackled and just pushed the pile by himself like nine yards. Like, I mean, the dude is a freak. And I I think, I think, I think, I think I, I hold Debo over uh, Michael Pittman. But I I don't know. I could be talked either way. That's that's super close. Yeah. And, and maybe it's more like th- that says more about Pittman than it does about Debo. Right. But like just looking at the upside that we saw last year where he mm-hmm. was, you know, the wide receiver of two to Cooper Cup through the majority of the season. I think like we know that's in his range of outcomes here. And even with the ascendance of Ayuk, you know, now that Jimmy G's back at quarterback, I think maybe we can bet on Debo again. So it seems like another opportunity to ride that wave that we saw last year. For sure. What about what about another guy? What about uh, Debo versus uh, T Higgins? T Hig all day for me there. I got T Hig at uh, wide receiver four or five or something like that, and I'm not going to be scared off just because of the slowish start from the Bengals. Their their offensive line we've known that it isn't great. It wasn't great last year, but they found ways around that, and I expect the offense to uh, pick things up towards uh, the second half of the season. But Everything you're saying, man, like Jimmy G is great news for the pass catchers. So, yeah. uh, And last week, I didn't want to take too much away from that 49ers Bears rain fest because like what what could you really do? What could you really extrapolate from that game other than the weather was bad? They were running a lot and the passes weren't great. So, you know, when we're talking about uh, Trey Lance, like basically this game in a a quarter or whatever he played like looked bad enough for that buy low to really be effective. Like I I think that the market's going to settle as like um, tanking him. I I really do. Cause like say Jimmy G comes in and like this offense starts to click. uh, I I don't know. I, one question I was going to ask you is like, would you even pay a 2023 first? Say you had two 2023 firsts. Would you trade one of them away for Trey Lance right now? Yeah, that's, I mean, I think that's probably where he's going to settle for me is like that late 2023 first. So I could see it happening, but I just also, it kind of feels like a trade I don't have to make right now, Mm -hmm. you know, like, because I know that 2023 first is just going to hold value right up until draft day. Right. And so like, if I really want to get into the Trey Lance game, I think I could probably get it done with a, a, differently valued piece like uh you know a position player or 
you know, a, a package of other picks or something. So I don't have to, you know, make that decision now and kind of lose that opportunity to, you know, make that pick or sell high on draft day, you know, because we know for a fact those 2023 firsts are only going to increase in value right. between now and draft day. But you could argue the same thing now with Trey Lance. So exactly. let's let's see where he settles. But I'm, I'm still leaning to holding now, which if you had asked me a week ago, I would have said <laughs> smash on Lance, you know? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I don't think that there's any way that this isn't Trey Lance's team next year, though. You say that. Well, Jimmy G already took him pretty far last year, and they they handed the team over to him anyway. So yeah, I I, yeah, I guess I do say that. <laughs> let's let's come back to it, you know, because I'm still kind of processing the uh, the pain and the suffering here. But uh, yeah, I mean, they, they clearly like Jimmy G. They clearly believe in him. That's why they made him the highest like paid backup in the league. And you know, we. I think we saw this recently with Dak Prescott. Like, obviously, that's a much, much more established quarterback for their team and their franchise than Trey Lance was for the 49ers. But, uh, I mean, he's not ever been really the effective running force that he was pre that ankle injury either, you know? So I don't know if that was just a mind shift change by mm-hmm. the, the coaching staff. And, you know, if if Trey Lance comes out and they're not really willing to let him run the ball, then there's a risk that that upside is erased somewhat by just usage and, and coaching, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah it hurts. It hurts. <laughs> it does. It does. Well, let's go ahead and move to Baltimore, the Ravens, the other team in the Miami game uh, last week or last weekend. Uh, Lamar Jackson and uh, Rashad Bateman. Shoddy B's good. He's really oh, good. Yeah. Bateman now is up to 17 on keep trade cut. Lamar Jackson is QB4. And through the first two weeks, Rashad Bateman has had 12 targets, six receptions, two touchdowns, 167 yards. But what's crazy to me is his 28 yards per catch. And I know it's a small sample size, uh, but I think that this is the way that is going to continue for the rest of the season because of the way that they're utilizing him. On his two touchdowns, Bateman showed us some insane speed. And this offense, you know, it's in serious need of running back help. And I think once J.K. Dobbins is back to draw the defense in a little closer to the line of scrimmage, it can be even more wheels up for Bateman. So yeah, the yeah. question is whether this fantasy production is going to be sustainable with his current 20.3% target share. And I do find it concerning that Bateman didn't catch a single pass in the second half of a very competitive game uh over the weekend so i'm hesitant to move him too high but his ceiling is also really high so he's a tough sell because he's put up two solid weeks on an offense that's putting up a lot of points but he's also a tough buy because of that uh, target share so i i thought we'd talk about it uh what are we gonna do trey um i, I yeah see- you're right it's only two weeks so it's kind of hard to draw too many conclusions here but i think what's really uh making me well a little bit more optimistic about this is this game like they were extremely pass happy Mm -hmm. uh compared to week one right where we we called that out as a concern for the baltimore offense like are they going to get back into their run heavy ways they were i think i i don't know the exact number but they definitely threw the ball you know a lot more in week two than they did in week one so that's that's good news for bateman uh these other pass catchers what really it's just mark andrews but um, you know, for their combined production in that offense, like if they're not, you know, going to be pass heavy, then it's going to be tough for Bateman and Andrew Steed in that offense. I do think he's probably slightly 
overvalued a little bit just because, you know, he's kind of slipping into that uh, high end wide receiver two territory mm. on keep trade cut. And, you know, he's not necessarily giving you high end wide receiver two production. Like, yes, we've got the two long touchdowns, but that's happening on, you know, only, you know, 12 targets, six targets a game. Right. So you need that volume to go up to feel more comfortable making that investment. Um, Obviously the yards per catch is unsustainable, is like unsustainable, right? Like we're not going to see him average more than like 15, 17 yards per catch over the full season. So that'll come down a little bit, but um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I think I'm holding for now. I'm not, not necessarily aggressively trying to sell Bateman. That's, that's fair. I, I do think that he's going to have some insane uh, yards per catch this year because like it just so happens to fit Lamar Jackson's strength of being able to chunk the bar so far down the field. And when you have another field stretcher like Devin Duvernay there too, like the defense is on notice every play. And, you know, you got that, you got Mark Andrews in the middle there. I, it's foreseeable for me that he could just be an incredibly efficient player this year. And so yeah. that's where the buy is, right? Like, you know, if you see Bateman against you in a lineup, you're like, man, this guy could just put up 30 points on me this week. And and that's what I mean by his high ceiling. Like, it, perhaps he can just continue to be efficient. I mean, his snap percentage was easily the highest uh, wide receiver on the team, despite not logging a catch in the second half. So I I, I really don't know. I, I feel like there are situations where I would want to buy and situations where I would want to sell. And I think just having as many leagues as I do makes makes it easy to cop out of this conversation with that. But it could go either way, depending on the deal, right? Like if you can profit from cashing out, do it. And if you can get him for a reasonable price, I would do that as well. So uh, one thing I was thinking about is I, I talked about Christian Kirk last week. Um, I would be down to trade Bateman for Kirk if I could get um, an extra pick there, maybe like throw in a third. Um, I would also try to use Bateman to go out and get CD Lamb. Um, and I know Tarek's been offering everybody uh, Bateman for a 2023 first. Um, I don't know if I'd spend that that first. I, actually, I wouldn't. But um, I don't know. What do you think about those trade ideas? Yeah, so the for Kirk and a third definitely give me Bateman instead of uh, your guy Kirk. Uh, Kirk's got that volume though, man. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, but I think you're gonna project more points uh, to go to Bateman and in, in that uh, Ravens offense just because there's gonna be more touchdowns to be had. So, you know that that matters for sure. Um, the trade up for CD, I get it. I think it just depends on what you have to package to to close that gap. A two? Yeah. Yeah, it's probably, I think I would probably think pretty long and hard about CeeDee Lamb if that's the price. Uh, just because, you know, especially for like a long-term upside, mm-hmm. like there's there's a lot, a lot there with CeeDee Lamb. And I think Bateman, you know, potentially what is that long-term ceiling, right? Like, are we going to put him, slot him in as like a year in, year out, like wide receiver one? Like, I know that he's showing like, incredible you know efficiency through these first two weeks but without the volume i don't think that's like a reasonable projection you know unless he gets better which is possible but it's it's difficult to project that but if he continues to be the number one wide receiver in that offense you know uh, it's possible 
Yeah. And I get what I get what Tarek is trying to do as well with cashing out for the 2023 first. That's actually, you know, that's the team we co-manage and we're not contenders this year. Mm -hmm. So for team building, it makes sense to have that first if you can get it just because it's a safer pick. But there's not much safer than a second year wide receiver beyond a draft pick, you know. So if if we can't get that, then I think Bateman's a stronghold because, um, you know, the only way that like he loses the the value here is if the efficiency drops which is which is likely or you know if there's an injury or something like that Mm -hmm. all right well last question uh about the ravens here somebody actually asked me this and it kind of took me off guard because people tend to come to me for fantasy advice in in person and usually i'm very quick with the answer but uh he was like should i trade lamar jackson to get justin herbert and i was like um n- no yeah I, like, I don't know I, I, don't, I don't know i don't know yeah i think for dynasty now you know i think lamar jackson has shown enough to close the gap you know and and um you know going into this season we had talked about how there was that big three at quarterback and then a little bit of a break and then you had lamar jackson kyler murray uh joe burrow those guys yeah it seems like lamar jackson over these first two weeks has kind of put himself up in that big three at the top I think it's a big four. I think that, like, really that's what this is because Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert are pretty damn interchangeable to me. And the the tiebreaker is that Lamar Jackson can run for a 70-yard touchdown. Like, that that is just game-breaking. I mean, if you started Lamar Jackson last week and you somehow lost the game, well... (laughs) It was hard to do with that performance Uh, that he he put out there for sure. Yeah. So. All right. Well, well, let's uh, let's jump in here. I'll throw out my uh, my next uh, my next takeaway from uh, week two, and uh, let's stick with this Miami Ravens game because there was so much that came out of it. Uh, but I want to talk about the running backs situation for Miami, uh, specifically Chase Edmonds, uh, because that Miami offense put up forty two points uh, yesterday versus Baltimore, but Chase Edmonds was essentially a non factor in mm-hmm. that game. Uh, week one, we saw some decent usage. He got two thirds of the running back carries and 13% target share. So that's what we like to see. But mm-hmm. uh, this week two game, that usage dropped down to 29% of the running back carries and only 6% target share, only three targets out of 50 targets on the day or 50 pass attempts on the day for Tua. So he's definitely trending the wrong direction in a game where you would think the pass catching running back would get more work, not less. Mm hmm. And in the market and keep trade cut, you know, he's dropped down about seven spots since the beginning of the season down to running back 36. So I think people are starting to get a little bit nervous about this guy. And I think rightfully so, because I was expecting Chase Edmonds to come in and be a viable RB2 high end flex option in this offense. But this split with Raheem Mostert is looking a lot closer to a 50 50 timeshare than what I expected going into the season. So you know, I'll, I'll put it to you. Do you think this is a buy low on Chase Edmonds or more of a, a sell high? Because I'm leaning a little bit more of a sell high. Yeah, uh, and I am leaning a little bit more of a buy low if I'm contending. And okay. and and the reason that I'm I'm buying low is uh, it's kind of kind of shitty <laughs> considering that uh, I, I don't like to bank on an injury, but Raheem Mostert just. That's what he does. He he gets dinged up. He gets hurt. And so if there's a split between him and Mostert, like, 
I feel like eventually you're going to have Edmonds take more work, whether that's through just being a better player or be or, or Mostert getting hurt. But like if I'm trading for Edmonds, he's going to be like a depth piece anyway. Like I don't feel like I'm going to want to start him week in and week out. And like I, I just would feel good about plugging him into that flex if if I had to. So, and I get what you're saying, but my my view on the situation is that I think that there's other guys in that range that have more value uh, than just like a contender depth piece. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's going in the same range as guys like James Cook or Rashad White. You know these rookie running backs. I think I would much rather have those guys if they're we're talking about essentially like high-end handcuffs here because they're going to present like a level of upside, which I think is way better than you're ever going to get with uh, uh, Chase Edmonds. And then uh, your guy, uh, reputation player, uh, Allen Robinson, he's down in that same range as Chase Edmonds right now too. I think for a contender especially, it would make sense to pivot uh, Edmonds to A-Rob because that's the guy that you're going to be able to slot into your starting roster most weeks. That's true. Um, and of course, I'm going to take A-Rob there, but I also think it has to do with your team construction. So yeah. as far as my rosters that have Chase Edmonds, I usually went very wide receiver heavy and am kind of light on the running backs anyway. He's a good uh, zero RB target, if you will. So, you know, I, I just, I might have to hold on. I, I feel like, yeah, I, I just think like if you're buying what the Dolphins are doing, like and the, and the Dolphins look like a force to be reckoned with, you know, um, there might be some defenses out there that do their damnedest to stop the pass, which is going to open up some some work for Edmonds in the future. So perhaps I'm just projecting what I what I want and what I want to happen. But I do think that there's a, a very real possibility that Edmonds picks it up despite his slow start. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a decent usage week for him in week one. This week two game where the whole offense blew up and everybody got theirs except Redmond's is yeah, concerning to me. Concerning. But you're right. It is just one week. So uh, I'm, I think I'm ready to, to jump ship, but I get uh, why you'd want to hold in this situation. Yeah. All right. Mic check. It is halftime. Nas, why did you do it? You know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme. It's halftime. So yesterday, uh, week two action, the parlay went one and one. We're still waiting on the Monday night results to see if Bill's Vikings can take us up to three and one. Uh, big props to Tarek and his Tampa Bay pick uh, because they covered that spread. Unfortunately, my Pittsburgh plus one pick busted. Uh, that New England offense and defense just really bounced back after a crappy week one against Miami. So never bet on against Bill uh, not bouncing back early in the season after a tough loss. Anyway, lesson learned. (laughs) Uh, We do have the picks from uh, our colleagues from Tarek and John here. So let me share those with you for week three. Tarek wants to go with the Arizona Cardinals who are four point underdogs at home against the Rams. He is basically calling out that both of these teams are kind of disappointing relative to our expectations going into the year. So he just wants the home dogs and the points. He just doesn't think the Rams look like a good team. And the Cardinals did find a little bit of swag yesterday in Vegas. I can't say disagree with him too much there. John is going with his favorite team. He's going with the Chargers at home, seven-point favorites against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And you know what? 
if if Herbie plays in that game, I think the Bolts win by double digits. So no issues with that pick either. Marles, who you got, man? I got the Chiefs. I got the Chiefs at the Colts because the Jaguars just beat the shit out of the Colts. Colts laid an egg. I mean, and and now they got to deal with Patrick Mahomes coming to town. And uh, yeah, I expect this spread to pop up to about seven or seven and a half because uh, Chiefs by a touchdown. Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that one. So no issues there. And I'm going to go with the big dogs. I'm going to go with the Detroit Lions, seven point dogs at the Minnesota Vikings. Those are cats. What's that? Those are cats, Trey. <laughs> That's right. Those big, strange looking dogs. The undercats. <laughs> you know, this one's a little bit dangerous. We haven't seen Minnesota in week two yet. We're still waiting on that Monday night game. But I really like the fact that Detroit scored 35 points and 36 points in the first two games. Mm-hmm. I think this offense is clicking. And I think they'll be strong enough to cover seven points on the road against the division rival. So here's the parlay for week three. We got Cardinals plus four at home. We got the Chargers minus seven also at home. We got the Chiefs minus six and a half on the road and the Lions plus seven on the road as well. Let's bring it back this week, boys. I feel good about this week, man. This one, this one's got the, this one's got the juice. Oh yeah, we need it. We need it. All right, let's kick off the second half. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just bring in my new favorite team since the Titans are gonna get blown out in a couple hours, and uh, that's gonna be the New Jersey Jets. We're gonna talk about Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson, and sprinkle in a little Corey Davis. Uh, the uh, the Jets wide receiver target share. Uh, we got Garrett Wilson at twenty two percent. Elijah Moore at 12% and Corey Davis at 14% after two games. And I think we can go ahead and tip our hats to John here, right? Garrett Wilson has to be ranked higher than Eli now. Do you not agree? Yeah, I did. I did slide Garrett Wilson up above Eli. Uh, but uh, yeah, we, we might have some holdouts if we ask uh, Tarek on that one. Garrett Wilson had 102 yards on 14 targets, two touchdowns. And did all that with a hundred-year-old Joe Flacco winging him the bar. So I think that's one hell of an accomplishment. And not only that, Garrett Wilson's footwork, man, like, dude is good. He's got the hands, and I think he's the truth, man. So he's at wide receiver 16 on keep trade cut. Elijah Moore is at wide receiver 27. And Corey Davis is his jersey number, 84. So I think I'm definitely buying Eli at this price. I am still buying Garrett Wilson at this price, and I'm always selling Corey Davis. But um, I haven't been shy about, you know, liking the New Jersey Jets and what they're doing on offense. Like, Brees Hall looks like he's getting more comfortable. And if Zach Wilson's actually good, um, I can see just wheels up for everybody here. So, all right, Trey, so who would you take here, Garrett Wilson or Nick Chubb? Yeah, I think that one... Give me Garrett Wilson. Uh, you could argue it kind of depends on team construction, but you know Garrett Wilson is smashing as a wide receiver, and uh, Nick Chubb. We don't really know how many years he has left, uh, so yeah, I'll take Wilson. Damn, that's kind of surprising after uh, a three touchdown game from Nick Chubb there. But yeah, I mean the running back and the age, I get it. What about uh, AJ Dillon? Yeah, same story, same story there. Give me Garrett Wilson. I, I mean these these rookies like Wilson, if they hit and they, you know, smash like, you know, what we saw on Sunday, then yeah. 
it's hard to find a more valuable piece in Dynasty. Yeah, with you there. And uh, Trey Lance, maybe this is a tricky one. Garrett Wilson yeah. or Trey Lance? Oh, man. Uh, Garrett Wilson, again. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, a, I'm a believer, man. I, I'm actually right there with the market. I've got him up as uh, my wide receiver, 16 or 17. So I'm, I'm right there with Keep Trade Cut here. Yeah. So, well, okay. I, I'm with you too. Um, Elijah Moore, I, maybe that's the more interesting conversation here because he's always been kind of low on keep trade cut anyway. And mm -hmm. if there's a buy window for him, I feel like it's now. And we've talked about Clyde Edwards Elaire before. And I think this is the, like the perfect scenario here. You know, you have Clyde lighting it up. You have people becoming believers and Elijah not really doing much yet. So I think this could be the chance to trade Clyde for Elijah and, and hit some mad profit. And I actually think that some people would think that uh, we're going to lose this trade here. I, I would absolutely smash on Elijah more over Clyde Edwards Alaire, like not even a second guess on that one. Um, the only, only thing that would be potentially concerning is, is Garrett Wilson just going to be the alpha number one option in that offense and, you know, force Elijah Moore to not reach that ceiling that we think he has. I, I do see that how the two of them kind of play similar roles in a lot of ways in that offense, but I'm still a believer in Elijah Moore, even after the slow start. And if you can get him for a Clyde Edwards Lair or that price, what, what was what'd you say? It was like wide receiver 27. 27 cut. Yeah. yeah. We, we stay buying Elijah Moore. Agreed. And, you know, I, I tried to rack my brain for like any situation that I would buy Corey Davis here because I, I do like the player. I do like that he's put up two weeks in a row of solid performance. But the market understands that he is third in the pecking order here. So despite him being the leading receiver in yards, uh, yeah, you know, one one tidbit, though, um, I do play in a league where it is best ball style and I went wide receiver heavy and Corey Davis was like my, I don't know, ninth or tenth wide receiver drafted. And he has cracked the the starting lineup every single time. Uh, yeah, this, this he's used so, in both weeks so far. And it, it just feels weird because it like when I look at it in that perspective, I'm like, I mean, he has value, I guess. But literally, literally better in best ball. Yeah. And that's just <laughs> anyway. But yeah, I, well, it, here's the thing. And, and I think this is probably a philosophical discussion at some level. But, you know, with these kind of wide receivers who are giving you like replacement level production as like the third option, presumably on their offense, like I know that he may be like the target share leader through, you know, two weeks, but like, come on, we're not going to project that over the full season, right? So, or even on a next year or anything like that. So, yeah, it's, it's replaceable production. Like, look at a guy like, uh, Greg Dortch <laughs> down in Arizona, you know, like <laughs> yeah. you can find like these kind of like fill in like wide receiver three options, like off the, the waiver wire heap. So, no, don't, don't give up anything of value for Corey Davis or a similarly valued wide receiver. Not even if you went super running back heavy and you can get Corey Davis for a third, you're still not doing it. It's, it's no, okay man. I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I think if, if you can get, I mean, for a third round pick, you're talking about somebody like Khalil Shakir, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're talking about, I don't know, Taekwon Thornton. I, I don't think either of those guys have really done anything yet, but like, are we, would be, would we be that surprised if they were, 
wide receiver four producers over the rest of the season? No, because it's like not that difficult to do. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's fine, man. <laughs> I just wanted to press you. Like, I, All right. All right. Let's well, go ahead. I'll let's, hand it to you. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I'll hop over to uh, my next takeaway here. I guess this is my last one of the day before we, uh, we finish up with you, but we got, I, I want to talk about Jacksonville. I, I want to talk about the running backs down there. Cause uh, James Robinson through the first two weeks has really surprised me and surprised me to the point where I needed to go in and adjust the ranks. Mm-hmm. So I was way, way too low on him. I've moved him up to my running back 33 because through the first two games, he is number six overall in PPR scoring. And that's definitely thanks to the three touchdowns, but it's also because he's looking a lot more like his rookie self out there. Yeah. And Jacksonville believes in him, man. He's got snap shares of 49% and 63% through the first two games. And he's got running back carry splits of 73% and 72%. So He's getting out there more than half the time, and he's getting more than 70% of the carries. He's not getting a ton of targets, but I think, you know, compare him to other guys in that range, like Chase Edmonds, who already talked about, I would much rather have James Robinson at this point. And if you look at the market, um, you know, I'm not quite as high as on him as keep trade cut. Like he's up to running back 27 on keep trade cut, but I'm I'm getting closer and I, I see you know, why he's going to be, you know, more valuable part of your contending roster than a guy like Edmonds or even his teammate, Travis Etienne Uh-oh. over the rest of the season, <laughs> because Etienne has been the clear running back two in Jacksonville through the first two weeks. He's been the running back 36 in PPR scoring. And he's only got seven targets to show for the first two games of action. And that's really, really concerning to me because that's supposed to be Etienne's bread and butter. And we've seen him drop in the uh, the keep trade cut ranks as well. He's gone down from uh, RB7 to RB13 over the past month. I'm still pretty high on ETN. I believe in him long term. I've got him as my running back 15, but I am very, very concerned by the usage through two weeks. Looking at this backfield, I think the clear undervalued buy option is James Robinson. I think he is undervalued by the market right now. I'm going to figure out how to move him up in my own ranks. For a contender, I say go ahead and buy high on him. I think uh, if you have a guy like Juju, you could let him go for James Robinson based on what we've seen through two weeks. Yeah. No, I, I'd trade Juju away immediately. I, Josh Jacobs, you said, for J-Rob is... Uh, yeah, Josh Jacobs is another one I was thinking for J-Rob. I, you know, I, I read that, and I, and I have Josh Jacobs in a few places, and I just started thinking, it's like, is that, would I? And I think the answer is yeah. yeah I think I would. Yeah, well, you're looking at the the running back six right now in PPR scoring, and and Jacobs hasn't even come close to that. So it seems like you're looking at more of a split backfield situation in uh, Vegas with like you know McDaniel's coming in from New England. Mm-hmm. Yes, we already know this is a committee in Jacksonville, but we feel pretty good about where the committee stands, and one of these running backs is getting more than seventy percent of the carries. So. Yeah, I, I think J-Rob, given his age as well, is mm-hmm. kind of the clear option over Jacobs at this point. Now, what about ETN? Uh, because based on what we've seen, he doesn't really look like he has any contender value at this point. I think the arrow is pointing the wrong way for a guy who's you know meant to be a prospect. So I think if you could cash out for him for a 2023 first, you, you do it in a heartbeat, right? You have to. You have to, yeah. I, I don't see any re. I don't know if anybody's going to go for that, but I mean, somebody has to if his uh, keep trade cut is ranked 13. I mean, right. 
But what doesn't sit right to me is that, like, I would start J-Rob over ETN for the rest of this year, as you mentioned. So why... It doesn't add up, right? Why would you start running back 27 over running back 13 for the rest of the year? Like, I don't think you should be running back 13. I, I think that, like, we haven't seen what we have hoped to see. So I'm like, I don't know. I'm I'm backing off severely off of off of ETN, man. Yeah. Oh, I know it's only two weeks. And I think that's like the strongest counter argument to any of this. Sure. But, you know, what we're seeing is a clear number one and a guy who was clearly undervalued by by me, but probably by the market in general, you know, going into this year. So I I think, you know, I props to you for shouting out J Rob like during the off season and and you know calling this out as a, a possibility. Uh, I think it was a much more significant possibility than I realized, given you know coming back from this Achilles injury. So with ETN, I mean, he's coming off of his own injury as well, and just you know in the limited yep. action hasn't really taken advantage of those opportunities yet. I, I have one more for you. With ETN, would you rather have him or DJ Moore for your, let's say, contending uh, roster? Yeah, I'll take DJ Moore over him, and that's in any situation. Contender or rebuilder? Yeah, yeah. I just, like, I, I'm not going to, like, say I don't want anything to do with ETN right now, but I, it's just not a bet that I would like to make for any any reason. Like, I see the buy low opportunity, but it's just not something that I would advise somebody to do. Like, it, unless they've seen something that I haven't seen, but he just he just doesn't look like it, man. Yeah, yeah. If this usage keeps up, then that gap is just going to keep getting smaller and smaller between them on keep trade cut every week. Yeah, I there's two there's two guys that I just have a regret for getting off at the wrong stop, and J Rob is one of them. Like I I've shouted his praises in the past, and I feel like I cooled off of it because of ETN, and I. I, I regret doing that because, like, J-Rob has done nothing but prove everybody wrong every single time. I mean, the dude was undrafted, first of all. So, like, it's not just you. It's not just me. Like, everybody the whole NFL, this dude yeah. He tore his Achilles. Well, there he goes. He's fucked. And then, nope, sure isn't. So, I mean, the guy just keeps crushing it in the face of adversity. And, like, man, like, yeah, you got to root for him. But, yeah, I... I, I do think that he's legit, man. And the other guy that I got off at the wrong stop was Gabe Davis, you know, like, like shouted his praises and then it didn't work out. So I was like, fuck this guy. And then this year it's like, oh boy, time to, yeah. time to be wrong. Well, I don't know. I mean, we've, we've only seen one game and, and he had the, the big touchdown, but you know, not a whole lot of volume, which is, seems like par for the course for Gabe Davis. But, you know, just to tie a bow on this before we move on, um, I get the reason why ETN is so much higher, you know, first round draft pick, excellent college production profile, like excellent, you know, profile for the passing game. And, you know, if, if we're projecting him to be the next DeAndre Swift or the next Alvin Kamara, he's going to have to get more than three and a half targets a game yep. uh, to, to make that bet worth it. So um, the, the red alarm bells are going off right now. I don't think we should overreact at this point through two weeks, but we definitely need to move J Rob up our collective ranks here. Agreed. All right. I'll take it away, man. We'll, we'll end this thing on, uh, one of our favorite conversations of the podcast, uh, Cam right. Akers and Darrell Henderson, you know, speaking of guys coming back from Achilles injuries, I Akers, 
I, I guess I guess he's back. Like after one after week one, Twitter exploded. Victory laps all over the place. Akers logged three carries, zero yards, no receptions, and a really bad missed block. So we declared him legally dead for fantasy purposes. And on Sunday, it was like a fist breaking through the dirt by his gravestone, like heroic return where he ran 15 times and crawled for 2.93 yards per carry, had two receptions for 18 yards. Like, not not great. Uh, super inefficient, but... He had a 44% snap share versus Henderson's 56. And Hendo just looked better on his 10 rushes for 47 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Hendo didn't have any targets out of the backfield, though. So I think both of these guys are a sell right now. Uh, last, me- last week might have uh, been what you needed to move Akers because, I mean, literally he he did nothing week one so seeing that he was actually like involved and getting more carries than henderson is like definitely some sort of vote of confidence whether that's from sean McVay or or wherever but i i just don't think either guy has really much upside because they're both pretty inefficient and as Tarek mentioned in his halftime like the rams look a bit fraudulent outside of cooper cup so Keep trade cut has Henderson's value equal to Ezekiel Elliott, Dallas Goddard, Jameis Winston, and I would literally get any of those guys over Hendo. How about you? Uh, yeah, I'm not not really interested in getting into the Ezekiel Elliott game, but you know, between him and and Darrell Henderson, I, I get it. I get why you'd want Zeke. Um, I would be much more interested in a guy like Dallas Goddard or or Jameis. Um, even though we, you know, Jameis Winston did get back into his uh interception throwing ways uh in week two i'm okay with it man you know yeah yeah i want him to take more risks but uh (laughs) (laughs) no and well and look i i talked about this last week and you know of course the the week one usage with acres was concerning and i did say last week i don't think either of these guys are a buy right now i still feel that way about hendo i think what we know what we got with this guy with acres i do think this is a positive sign And I'm not going to overreact to it, you know, but I'm not like going to go out and like, say, aggressively try to buy Cam Akers at a discount right now either, because he has been nothing but inefficient through his career in L.A. going up into, you know, this uh, past game yesterday. So um, I think we, we just have to see more of it out of Akers to believe in it. And there's not really anything there to, you know make me want to project a whole lot of efficiency or, you know, fantasy value coming from a guy like Cam Akers, given the fact that it seems like today it's going to be a 50-50 timeshare going forward. It does, but it also seemed to me like in the in the red zone, you're going to get more Hendo. And that just handicaps Akers, man. Like if he's not going to be used in the red zone and... I don't know. Like I've obviously been the the low guy on Acres on this pod. So say say you drafted him at like wherever he was going, and uh, you can get a second round pick for him now to get off. Are you are you getting out? Or are you going to hold Acres? I think you can hold Acres for a second still. Uh, I don't think you have to make that that sell yet today. 
Um, because I do think that there's going to be like moments, there's going to be spike weeks, say Hendo were to miss any time, like you would get that, that acre spike, Mm -hmm. you know? So there's, there's opportunity here. You, you talked about, uh, Chase Edmonds earlier as a guy who's like a, basically essentially a handcuff, like a luxury depth piece handcuff. Now I think acres falls in that same bucket, but we're going to see more of him probably, you know, as like a, a, a guy that's going to be, you know, used in offense, maybe more reliably. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think there's just maybe a little bit more upside there with acres than there is with uh, Edmonds. So, you know, that's the kind of guy, maybe, maybe you buy low on acres if you have Chase Edmonds right now. That's fair. I, yeah, I, I just can't in good faith start acres, but I, I think at some point, like fantasy is a long season and like, you might have to, and I see what you mean. Like you'd rather start Cam Akers than a second round pick, right? Because you can't. So, uh, well, and that opportunity, and <laughs> that opportunity to sell for a second round pick, I don't think that's going to go away over the course of the season. I mean, if he looks like shit for the course of the season, <laughs> you're not going to get a second round pick for him. So, uh, let's see what else. Like James Cook, then would you do Akers for James Cook? I would. Yeah, give me James Cook over Akers for sure. Okay. So that's about. Yeah, I I would too. Um, and the last guy I got written down was, according to Keep Trade Cut, Amari Cooper is equal to Cam Akers, and neither of us are big Amari Cooper guys. I I know that. Um, yeah. But I would still do it. I would still take Amari Cooper. I mean, l- last week uh, it was pretty surprising. He had quite quite a game, and that right there, I do not think Cam Akers is capable of. Well, I think Akers is definitely capable of it. It's just Cooper's a guy that I just, I don't believe in because he's one of those 20% target share guys. And he, I feel like he's always going to be, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, maybe he, he, there's a little bit more upside and in Cleveland, especially when Deshaun Watson comes back. But um, yeah, with, with Akers, I think I would rather just hold because of the positional scarcity versus, uh, you know, a receiver like Cooper. All right. Yeah. Sounds good, man. Well, I think that does it for today. That is uh, episode seventy of the Long Game, and uh, we'll see you. We'll see you next week after I watch my Titans get obliterated tonight by the Buffalo Bills. What's the other game? The the Vikings Eagles. Vikings Eagles. Yeah, we got a couple good ones tonight. Uh, I'm with uh, John on this one. Give me the uh, the Vikings. Uh, so yeah, should be a good one. Emily and I are going to go watch the, uh, the game, uh, the games that the dual Monday night games are both of our teams. She's an Eagles fan. I'm a Titans fan. It's going to be great. We get to watch Monday night football and, uh, both of our teams are going to get stomped and, you know, can't wait. Yeah. Love it, man. Hey, uh, good luck tonight. And, uh, it was fun. It was a fun one today. Yeah. All right, guys. See you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Surely